Do me a favor. And go fuck myself. Just move your mic. Turn the mic so that you're in front of the microphone. Yeah. Oh, I get it. So I go in front of the microphone? That's the way it's supposed to be, yeah. Get the fuck out of here. I will not. I live here. That is crazy. My mind is blown by this. Have I, was I supposed to be doing this the whole time? Blow your mind. I'm going to blow your dick. Wait. <laughs> that wasn't an insult at all. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh. How, how you been? How you doing? Uh, you getting ready to leave? I, think, I thought so. It's a very long night. It is. everybody, welcome to the Media Lunch Break, bringing you all of your comic geek and movie news all in the time it takes to eat a good sandwich and have a drink of Ecto Cooler. My name is Chris Treble. Alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew Dunn. Say hello, Andrew. What did you do, Ray? What did you do? Um, it just popped in there. Oh, we'll get to it. Yeah. Oh, don't worry, we'll get to it. Yay! Yay! How are great, man. Yeah? Ask me how I'm doing. How are you doing? I'm fucking <laughs> exhausted. I, it's crazy that for two weeks in a row I would do this. You'd think that I wouldn't repeat this. You'd think we'd do it earlier yeah, than last time, not Yeah, you'd think we'd do it, we would have learned our lesson two weeks in a row not to do this, where I would only I would only get like three hours of sleep and get up at 3.30 a.m. Why would I do that two exact weeks in a row? You're too, that is, you're too busy playing Farming Simulator? Is, oh, man. I just... I've gone through so many sallies. <laughs> Uh, it's it's really, it's actually like eating up a good portion of my field, the burial ground that is just all the dead Sally's. It's It's free fertilizer. It is. She does fertilize. You know, that's a real thing that in the South at certain evangelical churches, they'll pass a venomous cobra around. And if it bites you, it's God's will that you should die. And so they don't give you medical attention. And they do this with children too. You know what, though? I know that sounds crazy. But I don't know that I want these people taking a place on the earth anyway, so... I thought you were going to say, I too hate my child from time to time. I mean, listen. (laughs) It's just an excuse to not have to take your kid out. It just... I, you know... If you think that passing around a venomous snake is how you determine who lives or dies... You're probably so stupid, I don't want to disagree with you. I don't want to rock the boat on that one. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not... You wanna... You wanna... You and your whole community wanna get together and pass around a venomous, poisonous creature of nature I think and instigate they, it to the point that it bites you and I then I think they call you? that the Darwin Award, don't they? Yes. That is Darwinism at its absolute finest. You go crazy. Go nuts. Pass it around. In fact, you know what? If you get through and it bites no one, keep going until at least one of you is gone. All right? You can't... Yeah, you're on a roll. It's like... You gotta it keep should going. Be like, like, they should have... Okay, they should... What they should do is they should have 20 chairs in the entire church. They should have 21 people in the entire church. All right? And it's like musical chairs. You can just keep 
passing the snake around until one of them bites somebody and they die and then there's just enough seats to fit everybody in church oh, so this and is, that's when the service starts right so this is a game that you play whenever someone's like oh this is a nice church I, i'd like to join is that okay and they're like oh <laughs> get out the fucking snake get bitches. it out bitches whip that fucker yeah, out yeah this is it sally you're done <laughs> um all right should we get right into it let's do we it we got some shit to talk about we need to get in. We got to get right into this. You ready for this? Andy. Bandersnatch. <laughs> yeah, funny, funny story about that. <laughs> um, so, all right. So this week I was supposed to, we were supposed to, I was supposed to watch Bandersnatch. And then we were going to talk about Bandersnatch. Then, but something came up. But something happened. Really important. Really important. What happened? Hold on. I'll think, don't edit out this pause. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say, I didn't watch it. That's what I was setting you up for. I didn't watch it. Okay, great. No, I didn't. um, I didn't watch it. I don't have a good reason. (laughs) Here's the reason. Here's what happened. This is a true story. You walked out the front door and immediately forgot. Yes. So you said, let's watch Bandersnatch. And I said, that sounds like a great episode. I'm going to do that. And then I... We ended the episode and we went, good night. And I went, okay. And then I forgot. blacked out. And then I just blacked out. Just And I've just been blacked out the rest of the week. That's, that makes sense. Yeah. It sounds about right. So I did not watch Bandersnatch. But luckily, like mana from heaven, Andrew, like a gift from the gods, we got something even better. <clears throat> what do we get? Ghostbusters. Da 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 Ghostbusters is something strange in your neighborhood. Who are you gonna? Am I gonna make it through? Ghostbusters gonna talk about this. Ghostbusters truly right now. I don't. The headphones just fell off. The headphones are off. Okay, I don't know what I sound like, but I don't care. I gotta talk about this fucking movie right now. I'm so fucking excited for it. I want to talk about Ghostbusters. We gotta talk about this fucking Ghostbusters trailer. I'm so fucking excited about this, Andrew. All right, so I couldn't tell. Ah, oh, hold on, I gotta come down for a second. <laughs> Jesus. So this is not a reboot, and this, this is, is not, not a, a sequel okay, to the reboot. So the news is, preface this by the way, Ghostbusters is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, against your better judgment, I'll punch you in the dick from here. Um. So, uh, the news just broke that Jason Reitman, who is first and foremost, uh, son of Ivan Reitman, director of the original Ghostbusters one and two, um, Jason Reitman has also gone on to become a director who is very esteemed in his own right. He's directed, uh, movies like Juno and Up in the Air, Thank You for Smoking, Academy Award nominated director, uh, got some you know he's got some clout he's got some skill to him uh it's just been announced that coming 2020 jason reitman is going to direct a third ghostbusters movie well it's crazy too because the announcement came with a teaser trailer which never happens that is the second part of the story yeah so jason reitman announced on day one that he is uh that he's already written the script i should say co-written the script for a third ghostbusters movie this is a ghostbusters movie that is in the first two Ghostbusters 
the original Ghostbusters universe. It is not part of the reboot. It is not a sequel to the reboot. Um, it is part of the original universe. And then, the next day, he went ahead and dropped a trailer for said movie that he shot himself. Yeah, um, like a barn. Like in a barn. And so the trailer, if you haven't seen it, which I was actually more surprised when I was going on YouTube to watch it the 50 times to 100 <laughs> times that I've watched it already. It is not like more prevalent in my like trending oh, yeah. YouTube. Um, but if you go on YouTube, you can find it very easily. It's, it's just under a minute long. It is basically a long shot going into an old barn out in the country at night. And you hear the sounds of a proton pack trying to be started. And then some of the old Ghostbuster score, the Ernie uh, Bernstein score, comes up. And then we flat, we go into the barn, and under a tarp is the original Ecto-1. Uh, and then cut to black, summer 2020. And then Melissa McCarthy comes out, and, and she like, does some slapstick then, comedy and, and falls Leslie down. And Leslie Joan yeah. tweets a bunch of shit. <laughs> that actually um, happened. That really did happen. Um, so... Your reaction when you first heard the news? Oh, let me actually. What was your first reaction when you first saw the trailer? I didn't hear the news before the trailer. Okay. So I it it I subscribed to a YouTube channel that is just trailers. Right. And that came up, and I right. was like, oh, I didn't know this was in the works. I didn't think that movie made enough money to warrant a sequel. Right. Like I I thought they're mm-hmm. not gonna have enough. Like that movie was not successful. That movie being the reboot. So I was very curious about this, and I had to start Googling. I had never heard of Jason Reitman. Uh, of course, I'd heard of his father. So I, I was very interested in what this was going to be, and I had to Google everything immediately to find out, like, is this going to be a sequel to the reboot? Is this going to be a reboot reboot, even though we don't have Harold Ramis anymore? I remember there were rumors passed on by other members of the cast, including, uh, I think, Ernie Hudson, uh, saying that Bill Murray would not be involved. He refused to be involved unless he was playing a ghost of himself. Yes, that's... I think Dan Aykroyd has also confirmed that right. at one point. He also did say... Aykroyd has said... He had to, at one point, call up Bill Murray and be like, Hey, stop being such an asshole. Yeah. Well, because because people would be like, Ghostbusters 3, is it happening? And he's like, Oh, never. We had such a terrible time with Ghostbusters 2. It's mm. never going to happen. I would never do it. da 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 and Ackroyd basically called him up and was like, hey, stop shitting on this. Like, we had yeah. a good time. This was a good thing. We could do three. I, you know, I will send you the script. If you don't like it, say no. Here's the other thing about Bill Murray. He does whatever he wants. He does in, whatever he wants. He's so impulsive. Yes. Like, he will turn on a dime to do, go from, I'm never doing that to, yeah, that could be fun. Well, there is the old, there's uh, um, the, the legendary way that he picks, um, projects to work on for those not only picks projects but is given projects right is given options is through an answering machine that he rarely checks he has he is one of the few a-list stars he look i say a-list like yeah i mean he he's one of those guys that kind of transcends lists he certainly was a he was a list I'm sure technically now he's one of those guys like not, like Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, who like, like he's not, everyone knows who he not, is. He doesn't have a list. He's just he's not he's regularly built, he's, he's not regularly working anymore. Right. But everyone knows who he is. Right. So he doesn't need like, um, but he's one of those guy those famous celebrities that 
the very few that has no representation. He doesn't have an agent. He doesn't have a manager. Didn't, didn't he miss like a big role because of that? Oh, he is that he said that people have had whole careers based on the roles that he has just missed out yeah. on because he doesn't check the answering machine. Um, I'm pretty sure Aykroyd has a faster way to get in touch with him. Yeah. Uh, people like that. Certainly people back from... Probably Reitman. <laughs> yeah, Reitman. People back from like the heyday of SNL yeah, yeah, and yeah. the the mid-80s. and when People was, who have worked closely with yeah, him. Yeah, they probably have a cell phone number too. Yeah. Um, they have since said... Uh, Jason Reitman has since said, you will get the original cast back. Ernie Hudson has said, nah, it looks like we're all going to come on. Um, now, they are not saying like this is... It is in the same universe. Jason Reitman is kind of being clear. That does not mean it's just going to be the same old, like we're going to get the three surviving members back and we're going to do a. It, it sounds a like it's story. they're leaning towards more of a. What was the name of that T? There was a cartoon show, X. It was oh, Extreme? Ghostbusters Extreme. Extreme Ghostbusters. Yeah. That is it. It is a new crop of like of younger people, yes. right? And th- that was going to be before the reboot happened. That was the rumor that was that was banning about that yeah. that was going to be the third Ghostbusters movie that it was going to be at one point and this has been for years at one point Chris Farley was involved right at one point Ben Stiller was involved and then well uh, Bill Murray took over for John Belushi he was the original yes he was the yeah, original Bankman. Ghostbuster yes but that was also before major we could do a whole episode yeah on yeah this. yeah um, <laughs> which isn't a bad idea when this movie comes around summer 2020 <laughs> um the story of the making of yeah yeah Masters. that'd be great um but <clears throat> yes bill murray took over for belushi john um, um rick moranis took over for john candy right um it's a whole thing basically what they but they, what they've said is that ghostbusters 3 was going to pick up a new crop of ghostbusters and the original guys were going to be in it and kind of pass the torch but over the years it's taken so long those new crop that new crop was going to be different people like i said chris farley at one i think it was going to be chris farley and ben stiller oh, were going to be involved um as the new crop and then at some point it was it could have there was rumor it was going to be seth rogan and jonah hill because then they were the new people coming Man, in yeah, I don't that know. kind of thing um now the rumor is that the script involves younger kids uh 12 13 year olds um that maybe this is going to be in a small town as opposed to in New York City, which I will say I think that is a mistake. I actually don't know about that. That might be interesting. Yeah, but I think that... that here's a problem, and this is a problem I had with the reboot. One of the problems that I had with the reboot, which is fine. It's women. It's all women. There's so many vaginas, and they're just showing their vaginas, and they're just talking about their vaginas the whole time. And they're, the streams are coming out of the vagina... And they're trapping ghosts in their vagina. Why are you saying vagina like a mix between Donald Trump and Peter Griffin? Yeah. Uh, that's how you say vagina. That's the proper What one. is one of your problems? Um, God, I don't even remember anymore. Oh, no. Um, so, my problem is this. New York, for the original two, especially for the original one in 84, New York is... And this is a, a term that gets bandied about for a lot of movies, but it's kind of true for this movie. Movie New York City is a real character in the movie. Yes. It makes it what it is. It is also one of those ideas. Ackroyd had this idea. Ramis, Harold Ramis came in and really shaped this idea. But it is an or- organic idea. You cannot reboot this idea. It's really hard to do. 
because it is something that kind of comes organically. Um, the, the three guys that were cast as the main characters, they had known each other for years beforehand through Second City and through SNL, things like that. So they knew each other and they knew how to improv with each other. They knew how to write for each other. And everything happens. Uh, even Ivan Reitman had worked with these people for years beforehand and known these people through other projects. So there's a shorthand and there's, and the comedy and the jokes and everything and the plot comes through that. You can't just pick that up and go, we're going to copy this formula and redo it again. There is no formula. They made it up right. as they went along. Then the reboot happens and that's the problem. They, they shot mainly that movie mainly in Boston and they cleaned it up a lot. Oh, and it's not shot in New York yeah. City. And, and, and it takes lose, place in New York. Yeah, though, right? and you lose that kind of character. Because if it took place in Boston, because I was going to say, what if what if this what new movie... What if it took place in a different city? In Chicago or Fine. L.A. Yeah. It could work that way. Yeah, yeah. That I could see that working. Um, if you make this... Because one of the benefits, one of the fun things about the, the original movie is that, like, the idea is it's these four guys, really these three guys, who start a small business. That's, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Of the movie. In 84, Republicans actually loved this movie when it came out. Because they were like, look, it's three guys it's, getting together. Yeah, the American dream. It's the American dream. They're starting a small business. Uh, and it just happens to be that all this weird shit's going on. And part of the fun, what makes it funny is that all this weird shit's going on. And for the most part, New Yorkers are like, fuck you. Who cares? <laughs> like, it doesn't, you know. Because yeah. the second one picks up five years later and everyone's like... You're all full of shit. You made that up. We sued the shit out of you. Yeah. Like that's the that's the joke. Yeah, of the yeah. Thing. Um, and then you clean that up, and you just are like, it's just about these four people who start who witness something, and they try and find. Yeah, it. I don't even remember the city at all in exactly. the, the new one. Um, and I think that's that's where I lose it for this this third one. If you take okay. that element out, it's not as fun. But there is a way as long as they make it set in the town that they're filming. Sure. If you can organically make something like that, happen. I would say the first season of Stranger Things, the made-up yes, city, is a character. Absolutely, a hundred percent. And that's Hawkins a small, is, a, is yeah. a made-up thing. So if there's a way to do that, yeah, then I and I, that is very remin- totally against it, and that is intentionally very reminiscent of right. Ghostbusters as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, that being said, I'm I can't think of a movie I've been more excited about yeah i think just again because this is my favorite movie that's funny my favorite movie of all time is the blues brothers and if they announced they were making a third installment of that i would just be crying right i mean because the second one is even if the second one was good i'd just be like right yeah uh, yeah yeah uh, i totally get that i think because jason reitman has blood in this you do have the benefit of you know, almost everyone involved right. is still... Ivan Reitman is even producing this. Yeah. And J- the other thing is Jason Reitman, he has a heritage with this. He's been around this for his entire life. And he's pretty good. I mean, he's he's a good director. He's a solid writer. Yeah, a friend I of mine brought up that doing. he is related to the original director. And I was yeah. like, yeah, but Max Landis is related to John Landis. Right. <laughs> John Landis actually came up with a really good Ghostbusters idea. What's that? Um, he, he actually laid out... I think he made a pitch for a third Ghostbusters movie. And it can was you, like... Can you give me the, like, The shorthand? basis is, like, that um, Peter Venkman essentially took the Ghostbusters brand 
and incorporated it and made it oh, a like giant a company. franchise. Yes, he franchised it and became a millionaire. And um, something happens and somehow the original Ghostbusters have to just basically get back in action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. Um, it's pretty good. I will say it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, so I am super excited. Are you, I, I know, you know, you're not as gung-ho about Ghostbusters as I am. I love Still the movies. interested in it, though. I, yeah, I, look, man, I... Was, I was too young to remember the first time that I saw that movie. Right. So I remember when I was super young, I was raised by a single mother. And when I would get home at like four o'clock after school, she was still working. She got out of work at like six. She'd be home at like seven. Uh, that's a three hour window that I have to watch a movie. And I would just go through the VHS. Like we had like a shelf just full of VHS tapes, you know, like a bookshelf. And I would just one by one every day go through a different one. It's how I found Star Wars. It's how I found Blues Brothers. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, it shaped the way I watch and view film. So that was one of them. Like she had both of those movies on VHS. And I definitely watched those and loved those. I'm very excited for this. It's not one of my babies. Right. If it was, I'd be more scared. I'd be right. worried. But I'm. I was excited for the reboot. I was one of the, like, apologists. Hey, everybody, give it a chance. No, we I haven't was seen totally it yet. for the reboot. Yeah, and uh, it, it didn't didn't land. But no. uh, it, it had a lot of... Yeah, they, they there's their style of improv, I think, was the biggest problem. It doesn't yes, fit... and that's what I'm saying. There yeah. is... I... I, the, I do miss... The improv in Ghostbusters... Is seamless. Well, I would say they're both seamless, even in the first, even in the reboot. Right. But the improv in the original Ghostbusters movies propels the story forward. That's what I'm saying. And in the reboot, the plot stops and we have fart jokes. Yes. For 10 minutes. Yes. That is the, I think that's, I miss that about a lot of comedy movies. Yeah. The Judd Apatow, I, I think it was an amazing thing to witness when Judd Apatow came about and that uh, that style of comedy of like we're gonna move the plot forward and now we're gonna pause we're gonna do a bunch of jokes and then we're gonna go yeah go on to the next scene but i do miss things like the old school ghostbusters and the movie from the 80s where they're like this is a comedy but the jokes are gonna hit where they hit we're not gonna set this set these jokes up wherever you find this funny the situation itself is funny and then these people are just going to do the scene and, and wherever something kind of comes up, that's funny. It's going to be, um, you know, Bill Murray and that, it, what makes him amazing is that he's not, he's never set a joke is never set up for him. He just finds it. He just finds it. And then you move on from it. Like nobody pauses, nobody doesn't. You just go from there. I either read an article or, or watched a video. That he never read the script. Well, <laughs> is that what you're No, no. Of? That said that, um, Bill Murray is an interesting character because he does the opposite of what you learn in acting school, which is to be interesting. Yes. Like you're told to be focused and things are important. You have objectives, you have goals, but Bill Murray's character, and he only really has one, right. is never very interested in anything. Yes. He's always just sort of along for the ride. Yes. And he somehow pulls it off. The reason he's is... the worst idol in acting history, because right. if you try to replicate that, you, you will fail every time. The reason for that is that is who Bill Murray is. That's what I mean. Yeah. But people are uninterested in things and it doesn't work. Yeah. 
They would. There are stories of him. This is going off on a way long tangent. There are stories of him from Second City in Chicago when he was coming up about how like they'd be getting ready to do a show at eight, and at seven fifty-five, in rolls Bill Murray from wherever the fuck he was coming from that day, yeah, and just would walk right on stage, start doing stuff, and be ready to go. Like he would just come yeah. in and like because he's just himself. He doesn't need to come in and prepare. He's just like. Oh, yeah like, he's just a funny man yeah well not even that he's just a funny man he's just like whatever i mean i'll go on i'll do a thing if it works it does if it doesn't whatever we're all gonna live after this yeah Who cares? Yeah, yeah yeah what is your belt it's a uh, superman oh okay yeah. i only saw the face and i was like is that han solo yeah no but this same uh person on etsy has a han solo that makes sense yeah but i was also like why would han solo be in front of the american flag <laughs> Why wouldn't he be? It stands for all the morals that Americans hold de- near and dear. Um, villainy? <laughs> Free enterprise? You ready to talk about Mr. Miracle? Yes. All right. Fun fact so, about that. Yes. Uh, every time I say it out loud, or even hear it when I'm reading it, like when I read Mr. Miracle in the comic, I think of... There's an episode... Have you ever seen Arrested Development? Yes. There's an episode that you may be familiar with very early on in the first season where Michael promotes George Michael at the banana stand. And he's like, here's the thing. Even though I'm not going to be able to be there, you know what that means? It means you're in charge. You are Mr. Manager. And he goes, I'm Mr. Manager. And he's like, just say manager. It's fine. You don't have to say Mr. Yeah. And then every time after that, he goes, I'm Mr. Manager now. And he's like, all right, look, you don't please stop saying that. And he's like, but you said it. And he's like, no, I didn't. (laughs) And that's every time I hear or read or say Mr. Miracle, I think Mr. Manager. It could be be just Miracle now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it should be. Um, Yeah. So I gave you Mr. Miracle by Tom King. This is a 12 issue run. It's 12 issues, right? Yeah. It's 12. It's a 12 issue kind of maxi series that it's pretty recent. It only came out in, I think it came out in 2018. Might have been 2017 into 2018. Yeah, I think you're right. Mr. Miracle, for those of you who aren't familiar with the character, which I realized after I gave it to you, I did not fill you in on the character. I sort of knew. He's in the whatever the one you just picked up today is. Uh, <laughs> Justice League. Oh, just called Justice League? The, the, the comic w- you left me. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yes, he is. He's in that. He is. Um, there were a couple of things I forgot. Like when he starts floating around on the discs, I was like, oh, oh right. right. He does, he does that. that. Yeah. Um, Mr. Miracle, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the character, is kind of one of the more obscure characters. No, I shouldn't say obscure, but. He's like a B list. Yeah. He's like a B, maybe even a C oh, at really? some points uh, list character. Um, he was created by Jack Kirby. He's part of the New Gods. Um, the story from when Kirby created him, was that you have the new gods and you have Apocalypse. Uh, excuse me, you have... Um, Genesis. Genesis, thank you. The new gods are both of those. You have Genesis and you have Apocalypse. And you have the high father of Genesis, uh, who is the god of Genesis. He's the, the ruler of Genesis. And you have Darkseid, who is the ruler of Apocalypse. And at one point, in order to create peace, to keep the peace between the two worlds that would be warring... Uh, they traded children. The High Father had a, had a son in Scott Bard. Yes, that's his last name. 
No. Scott Free. There he is. Thank you. Yeah. Big Barda, Scott Free. Sorry. Right, right, right. Um, I was mixed up because I was like, which one was it? Who it was, is who had very Orion? late right now. It is, but I was also like, Orion was... Right. Some, the I'm, names I'm can get up. easily confused. So Apocalypse had his son, Orion. Um, the High Father had his son, Scott Free. They were... Well, he didn't have a name, right? He didn't have a name at the time. Um, But uh, so they traded sons. They traded children and raised uh, the high father, raised the apocalyptic child as his own. The um, he's a real shithead. Dark dark side raised uh, the high father's child as his own. um, And that kept the peace. Uh, and that person became the person that was raised by Darkseid, but actually the son of the High Father is Scott Free, Mister Miracle, um, the greatest escape artist in the world. Uh, who then after David Blaine after David Blaine, who then subsequently uh, throughout his history has come to Earth and been Mister Miracle, the greatest escape artist in the world, and is kind of known for that. Um, and that's kind of. I think that's kind of all you need to know about that character in order to get into this, uh, into this series. Um, cause this kind of takes the character in, into an interesting direction. I, I think you don't need to know anything about him. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was one of those things where I, as soon as we got done recording the episode, uh, and we split, I was like, Oh shit. I didn't tell him anything about the character. I don't know how much he knows. And then I was like, you know what? I just want, let me, maybe I'll just let it go. Yeah, it works really well yeah. as a standalone graphic novel. Okay. Um, yeah, so your thoughts, uh, give me a little bit of, give, give him a little bit of kind of what the story is in this series. Sure. Uh, there aren't a lot of constants. Um, Darkseid has obtained the equation, the life the equation. The anti-life equation. Anti-life equation. Uh, it's somewhat of a MacGuffin. Um, they don't go into a huge amount of detail as to what that is, but it's a very bad thing. It sounds like he can sort of do whatever he wants, yeah. basically. like It's like the reality stone yeah. in Marvel. Um, and someone's got to do something about it. Uh, at the same time, the High Father is dying, and uh, he's just dead all of a sudden. And then Orion takes over, but he's being a real asshole, and he thinks that Scott Free is a traitor. And I believe the comic opens with what will be Scott Free's real challenge throughout the entire book, which is his depression. Uh, And it opens with his attempted suicide, and he wakes up in a hospital. Um, Really, really powerful. I want to say as well um, that I think what the DC movie universe has done wrong is that there were two possible lessons they could have taken from the, the Nolan Batman movies. One is make a realistic, naturalistic view of the superhero universe. The other possible one is make a dark and gritty one because that's what all of the Batman movies were. They were both of those things. Mm -hmm. They were very realistic and they were dark and grim. And I think Zack Snyder just pulled the wrong one. Uh, this is an extremely hyper-realistic telling of a regular superhero. Right. Which is sort of an oxymoron. But without all the... There are... It opens with one of the hardest scenes to look at in my comic history. Like, I... I 
you know, he's just laying in front of a toilet, bleeding out of his wrists. And it's very hard to, to page one, it's really hard to stay, keep your eyes on. Um, and there are other scenes throughout that are hard to keep your eyes on as well. But it's never dark. Yeah. It's never gritty. It's interesting because he's a he's a performer. He's basically is David Blaine. Yeah. Right? Like he's much. a performer yeah. as well as a superhero. And you get the feeling that it's the show must go on. Right. This is all part of the show. Right. Uh, and <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in it that moves maybe a little too quickly. There's a lot of stuff that I don't understand as it's happening. Um, and a lot of it I'm not sure I even understand now. Uh, the the blades that can cut certain things. There's a lot of mythos in it that is mm-hmm. sort of thrown at you. Um, but they do a great job of slowing down what's important. I can only think of one thing I would change. And it's... it's a, I, I wouldn't even... It's sort of a spoiler for the end, but I'm not going to go into great detail. Uh, at the end, while something is happening... Um, he explains what he is doing while he's doing it right? and why it's working. And I think it would have been better if that was a quick, like one page thing. And then the next day someone goes, so how did you do that thing? And he goes, oh, well, I had this other thing and I knew this person who did this and that and the other, and that's how it happened. Uh, but that's super small potatoes. Right. Um, this whole story is incredible. You compared it to Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, and I was skeptical. But it is even more realistic and character-driven. It takes the best parts of Matt Fraction's run of Hawkeye and says, forget about that other stuff that Matt Fraction did like 20 or 30% of in the thing, where 70% was character development and character-driven plots. Uh, He takes just throws the 30% away and goes 100%. This is an interesting character, and I trust that you are going to like this person and all the other people in this story. Right. And it is, it he nails it. Like, he puts a lot of trust into that, into his own writing, and uh, it's really good. Yeah, it's really good. I could not believe, I, I mean, I had heard when it was coming out that it was really good. Yeah. Um, And I had read, I think kind of like a preview issue, like a free preview issue or something that showed the first couple of pages, which is, is him... Um, uh, during the suicide attempt. Um, and it is, I mean, that is an explosive page to, yeah. t- to, to turn into, especially um, after things like, I mean, it's in one way, it is so much against, I don't even know how to describe this. I was going to say it, it my, my gut instinct is to say it's against, it's so it spits in the face of Stan Lee's legacy, but the flip side of that is that it's exactly what, what Stanley Stanley's would legacy is because it is about character. Well, and not only and that, it's about... it's about the Comics Code Authority would never have allowed this. No, and he spat in the face of face the of Comics that. Code Authority, yeah. and in a way, it is a it is Marvel taking this in the next positive direction. Yeah, Stanley has oh, oh, sorry, yeah, I I, I get it mixed up because no, it's, it's so okay. good. Yeah, <laughs> and it seems it feels like a Marvel. It feels like, like it's so Marvel bright and yeah. colorful. Yeah, and, and it feels so much like Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. I keep like constantly. I was like, is this DC? And then like Dark Side would show up, and I'd be like, is, is he a DC character? Yeah. And like constantly. So the other thing is that Stanley's comics have always been about creating awareness, right? Not only of current problems like 
the drug abuse right. scandal in uh, Spider-Man that the sure. Comic Code Authority couldn't sign off on. Um, but also uh, diversity and problems in, in socioeconomic issues and stuff like that. Like, he created the first African-American superhero, created Black Panther. Right. Um, and and even moving forward, we had Miss Marvel after, you know, with uh, the first, I think, she, uh, I'm going to get this wrong. I, I'm nearly certain she's the first Pakistani superhero. Okay. I think she's the first Muslim superhero as okay. well. Um, so it's always been about that sort of thing. And as far as I know, have they done a, an extremely popular, well-crafted depression slash suicide run? Oh, uh, like for a superhero? Yeah, yeah. No, I can't really think of one. I can't think of a superhero who's like, not that not their superpower thing, but like their thing is they suffer from depression. Right. Like I can't, I, I was trying to think if there was one that's like, that's their running But to, thing. to tie this together. There's one, um, there is one. Because they've done drug, like DC did drug Yeah, drug there abuse. was one DC character called Vigilante that had about a 50 issue run that at the end, spoilers for this, I mean, it's from the 80s. It's a Mark Wolfman But it's character. also, it's not someone I've, you know, I've never heard of this. Right. It's not a huge. It's not, no. And I can't think of anyone that they've kind of revamped one of the regular characters that they that's, had forever. That's sort of what I mean. That. And or made it popular. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something successful. Something that they really took time and effort to. Right. But to tie it up, I, I, it is taking the best of DC and taking the best of Marvel. Right. And just putting it in a book. Right. And you know what? It's got to say DC on it. It says DC, DC on, on it. it. That's yeah. fine. But it doesn't feel like a DC comic. It doesn't feel like a Marvel comic. It just feels like good writing. Yes. Yeah, That's. I think that's what blew me away is that this is very much... A, uh, it's a very human story and it's a very um, domestic story. Yeah. Uh, this is about... And yet, uh, otherworldly. Other, otherworldly. It is so incredibly intimate and specific. Right. And yet also billions of light years away. Yeah. there. I mean, there was so... As you watch... As you watch, geez. As you read... Um, it feels like a movie. It does feel like a movie, especially when you are able to kind of um, kind of binge read your way through. Well, and the, the nine panel structure really it aids really itself flows. in that. And there's, I remember there's one whole page that's nine panels and it's just a, a rocks glass of alcohol slowly getting lower, lower, lower while he's talking to, I think, Booster Gold yes. and Blue Beetle. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I know Booster's in this somewhere. And it's just one page of a drink lowering. Right. And it feels like... You're watching you, time pass. And you feel it. You instantly feel for this guy and you kind of, there's so much in this that you get just that you, you understand if you've ever been in any sort of a relationship or, or having to deal with, you know, where your life is going, what. Well, and having to put on a mask, right? And like having I, to put on your, on a mask, which is, you know, not necessarily in a literal term. I feel like. People who work or have worked retail or or um, servers, right, all have to put have on to a mask. Put on these masks. You had your shit day, but you come in and you know what? You got to leave it at the door. Right. You can pick it back up on your way out. Right, and all just kind of finding that balance in life between what is essentially your work life and the life that you want to lead. Yeah, uh, and dealing also dealing with that sort of thing where your life is not 
your life is not necessarily going where you thought it was going to go. Um, and waking up one day and realizing that this was not where you thought you would be or where you want to be or not knowing where you're going anymore. And, Cause that's kind of where you pick that's it's amazing. Cause that's where, again, to kind of talk about the beginning of this book and how explosive it is that in any other book, that would be the end. Yes. You know, this is picking up in the, at the beginning of the story is picking up right in the middle of something that you don't know what's going on. And then you kind of pick up some of the pieces uh, along the way to kind of figure out what his motivation was. Yeah. Um, and again, it was never, it was nothing super heroic. It's nothing super, you know, it's not like a thing where something tragic happened in a giant battle to save the universe. He's just, I don't know what else to do. I'm, I mean, basically he's, he's depressed. He's depressed because he's bored. And he's going, I don't know what else to do with my life. I can, yeah. I've done everything and I don't know. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, and a few things about this. One thing I wanted to point out is that every issue feels like it has a different theme. It, ha- it does. Which is interesting. There's a, great, there's a great um, issue where there's a very difficult choice to make. Yes. And it's a little later in the, the series, so I don't want to ruin it. But he has to make the choice to... He has the possibility to end a war, but it takes a very personal, personal sacrifice. Choice. And he has to decide if he's willing to make that very extremely personal sacrifice in order to save the lives of millions of people. And it might not even work because he's basically making a deal with the devil. So who knows if it's actually going to happen. That storyline, absolutely like, oh, that storyline killed me. Yeah, I bet. Killed me. Yeah, I I felt it. Yeah, that's the thing. And that's that's what's amazing about this. It is a very kind of visceral writing. Yes. In that it's not something where it's, it's not visceral in that it's gut punching or anything for for the most part. It's just visceral and like I've been in every one of these situations. Yeah. I'm not a superhero. I've never had to fight to defend an entire world or lead an army to right. save the universe. But I felt like but I, I have. I know exactly every one of these situations yeah. of like I'm in the middle of some personal shit right now. Yes. And I gotta get up and I gotta walk out this door and for the next eight hours I gotta work. Uh, and then and I got to pick this up. We got to put a pause on this and we got to pick this up later. I love as well. Uh, it reminded me of, I think it's what it succeeded where demon in a bottle did not. Yeah. In that demon in a bottle is quote about quote, uh, Tony Stark's alcohol addiction. Yeah. But Except it's not, it's not at it's all. It's not at all. You never see the signs. Yeah. And it's just not there until he's like tripping over himself and then vomiting in a toilet. Right. In that way, this is not a story about depression. Right. But it is. But it is. And you never see it. You right. see it on the first page and then it's never really mentioned again. Right. He has outbursts but it's here just and there. In the, it's just in the background because that's how depression works. Right. You you don't see. I mean, we Robin Williams and uh, Anthony, Anthony Bourdain, Bourdain, Kate Spade. Yeah, these yes. are all incredibly joyful people. Uh, you'd never think it to look at them. And right. Scott Free is the same way. Right. He tries to put it away, but sometimes he can't. Right. right? And that's sort of the story. Right. Is that yeah? You have to deal with this, but then you got to pack it in a bag and go to work. Yeah. But sometimes you can't. It won't fit in a bag. Right. And I really like. There's a question that's brought up more than once that I thought is such a terrifyingly interesting question. People keep asking him, I think it's only two or three times, but they ask him, did you escape or did you fail Fail to to escape? escape? 
by not killing yourself. Right. By did you was the escape death and you failed? Right. Or did you escape death? Right. Which is an interesting and terrifying question. Right. That you don't want to think right. about for too long. <laughs> yeah. There was also, I mean, it also, see, the, for me, and that's part of what makes this great, is that so, some of the ways that I read that was also, did he, did he succeed, did he succeed and actually escape death? Or did he fail and this is death? This is, yeah. Like, well, this they, whole storyline is just him. He's actually And dead. this isn't really a spoiler, but it's on, like, the last page. Someone right. keeps telling him that he's in hell now. Yes. And uh, that, I don't know who that character is. through this whole motion. Do you know who just, that character is? It's, like, a bug guy who dies oh, pretty quickly. Oh, am- I think it's Ambush. Oh, no, no, no. I know who you're talking about. I uh, is, is that just a soldier? It's someone... He seems to know him. It's a very much... I mean, that's someone that in the DC canon... It's like Light Ray kills him, I think. Yeah, but it is someone in the DC canon, yeah, but yeah. I forget who it is. But he, he keeps telling him at the end, like, this is hell. No, this like, is I don't it. know why you're here. This right. is the worst place to be. It's right. hell. Um, and he can mean that figuratively or literally. Or literally. Yeah, yeah. it kind of leaves... It does that nice job of... Sometimes this can be done very poorly of yeah. leaving kind of an open-ended, ambiguous ending. Well, it's not really. Like, but it's, it's not. Because he's not in hell. Yeah. Because he walks out with right. you know, or his family. Or he is and he's like, no, that's a fine. I mean, or, Sure. Yeah. You can be happy in hell. Or you, like, that's sort of what like, depression this is, 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 right? whatever. It's that's, just, that's sort of what depression is, right? Yeah. Like being happy in spite of, finding happiness right. in spite, spite of. of. The, the drudge that you are right. wading through. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's the other thing that the way to look at it is you know, I am going to have to deal with the bullshit that I hate in life anywhere I am. Yeah. In anything that I do, there is no escaping. There is a downside to everything. Like, you know, I thought I would be happy escaping apocalypse. I'm not. I thought I'd be happy being rich and famous. I'm not. thought I'd be happy being a superhero. I'm not. Well, and that's... There are great things. There are great aspects to all of that. And that's the... um the cross to bear of the depressed, right? Right. Is that everyone thinks, well, once I hit this next plateau... It'll all be over. And that's why we find so many more celebrities committing suicide is because they think... Well, once I hit... Yeah. yeah. They think there's a point that once you make enough money or become famous Famous enough, enough that that all goes away. It won't affect you, but it it still does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a really... I mean, I found it so compelling i th- it was one of the ones that i finished i was like i cannot wait for this to be the reading assignment this is it this is the one it reminds me a lot of saga um, yes it in, does. in style and artwork yes uh, absolutely. it has absolutely i guess some of the stuff on other planets is very similar when they're fighting while running through the chamber and like fighting an alien whale or whatever yeah and they're you know just about so- moving the i i, I could have read it's, it's pretty early on. It's not really a spoiler, but how she tells him that she's pregnant is yes. very reminiscent that of issue, Saga. Yes, the issue of where she's ta- how she's talking about, it's literally an we entire move issue the of, wall moving, back. of rearranging <laughs> their apartment. Yeah, and arguing about, like, that's where the magazines go. But they're killing go. guards and they're yeah. blowing things up and, and everything. It's like, how can we take that table away? Where will the magazines, magazines. go? We don't need the magazines. I want to read those one day, yeah. you know, and just murdering people. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm glad, I'm, yeah, I'm glad that... Fresnerd, check it out. He, the other day, uh, posted a thing on Twitter about how we're the reason he's gotten addicted to Saga, and he just picked up the first trade, but he'd already read it, but he he bought it for himself. This, if you like Saga, you will like this. You will love I'm speaking directly to one of our fans, but also to everyone else. If you've read Saga by Brian K. Vaughn, give this a read. It's phenomenal. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Tom King's an interesting writer. If you like this... I want to find more of his stuff. Uh, I did the same thing with Matt Fraction after Hawkeye. Yeah, he's doing the current run of Batman right now. Um, And some of it's... I I mean, he's he's been on it for a while, so some of it's, you know, it can kind of... Ups and downs. Ups and downs. Um, But he'll always take it in an interesting way. Like, he'll always take it in a... You know, it's not just a punching, kicking type of thing. Are they through the, the Watchmen stuff yet? Oh, Doomsday Clock? No. They're not through that yet. So he's writing that? No, that's Jeff Johns. So is that a Justice League run? Like, is Batman not connected to that? He is, but it's just, like, on its own. Okay. It's kind of living on its own. All right. No, he's just doing the current Batman run, um, and he's just been, like I said, it gets really interesting. There's ups and downs, but for the most part, every every storyline that he comes out with, I'm like, well, this is at least an interesting angle. Right. Yeah. Um, Cool. Very cool. We yeah. did it. Yeah. Do you have anything for me? Remember how this is supposed to work? Where now you give me a thing? No, that's a my is my reading assignment a mug? My reading assignment is a Pikachu mug. Uh, oh, I actually did I bring it home? I think I did. Oh boy. Please don't tell me my reading assignment is Pikachu mug. You know what? I'll, uh... I'll send it to you later. <laughs> I'll find something. I was going to give you oh, Yellowhorn. Or what? Yellow Stone. Yellow stone? Oh, 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 Remember oh, we oh. talked about it on mic the other yes, day. Yes, the Kevin Costner Yeah, series. yeah. But I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> You're just doing that out of revenge. <laughs> something. Yeah. yeah, there's something, I'm sure. But no, I don't. I gotta watch it first before I can assign it to yeah, you. Yeah, that would help. No, I don't have anything. Right, I'll, I'll give you something and we'll talk about it. All right, great. That sounds wonderful. Yay! All right, that's it. All right, Andrew. Yeah. Hey, Andrew. What? Hey, Andrew. I don't. I don't have time to do this whole bit. <laughs> Where the fuck can they find us? You can listen to us on Spotify, on Google Play Music, on iTunes. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube.com/slash/TheMediaLunchBreak. You can find us on Facebook or on SoundCloud.com/slash/TheMediaLunchBreak. You can throw in a couple dollars on Patreon. That's Patreon.com/slash/TheMediaLunchBreak. Send us an email at TheMediaLunchBreak at gmail.com. You can find us on our website, which is www.TheMediaLunchBreak.com. Twitter. You did not say Twitter. So we're on Twitter. Yep. <laughs> It's our handle there is Media Lunch Break. Find us. It's fun. I write dick jokes. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. Oh my gosh. Does this mean I get to go to sleep now? No, you have like six hours to go home. I hate you so much. Hate the MTA, not me. Oh god damn it. Alright, am I gonna get mugged walking out of your apartment? Yes, by me. Goodbye everyone. Please shut this fucking Bye. mic off. Please listen to these so it's not in vain. Please for the I don't care anymore. Let's go. You fucking motherfucker. Fucking Sally, where are you? We are on patreon.com slash the media lunch break and Twitter. Did you do? Twitter? I did. That was the first one I did. Damn it. We're so bad at this. I know. Twitter, iTunes, this every Google Play week. Music, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, Patreon, Facebook, website, email. The fuck is it, Chris? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Such a long... I'm so fucking tired. God damn it. Uh, What is it? I don't know. It's... All right, here we go again. Let's start it again.